0: Let us pray. Testify to us, O God, by the voice of your Spirit. Put your law in our hearts. Write your word in our minds. And show your will in our lives. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Last week, Jesus left us wondering what it means to be a neighbor alongside the legal expert, Martha, Mary, the Samaritan, and that one in the ditch. From there, Jesus goes on to teach the disciples how to pray and to warn them about hypocrisy. We're on our way to Jerusalem, of course, and the closer we get to Jerusalem, the more charged the rhetoric and the atmosphere grow. At the end of chapter 12 of Luke's gospel, Jesus speaks of what lies ahead for him and the division his kingdom brings, even as he urges those listening to watch for signs of the changes on the horizon and to choose what is right, even in the face of persecution. Now I invite you to listen as I read from Luke chapter 13 from the Common English Bible. Together, let us listen for the word of God. Some who were present on that occasion told Jesus about the Galileans whom Pilate had killed while they were offering sacrifices. Jesus replied, Do you think the suffering of these Galileans proves that they were more sinful than all other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you change your hearts and lives, you will die just as they did. What about those 18 people who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them? Do you think they were more guilty of wrongdoing than everyone else who lives in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you change your hearts and lives, you will die just as they did. Jesus told this parable. A man owned a fig tree planted in his vineyard. He came looking for fruit on it and found none. He said to his gardener, Look, I've come looking for fruit on this fig tree for the past three years and I've never found any. Cut it down. Why should it continue depleting the soil's nutrients? The gardener responded, Lord, give it one more year and I will dig around it and give it fertilizer. Maybe it will produce fruit next year. If not, then you can cut it down. At that same time, some Pharisees approached Jesus and said, go get away from here because Herod wants to kill you. Jesus said to them, go tell that fox, look. I'm throwing out demons and healing people today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will complete my work. However, it is necessary for me to travel today, tomorrow, and the next day because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who were sent to you. How often I have wanted to gather your people just as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you didn't want that. Look, your house is abandoned. I tell you, you won't see me until the time comes when you say blessings on the one who comes in the Lord's name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You're invited to pause and reflect for a moment on the text. Amen. So the people want to know what happened. They want to know why those worshipers died the way they did. What did they do, Jesus? Is there something they could have done to avoid their fate? It's a natural question, or at least a very human one. When something awful happens, we want an explanation. We crave a cause and effect. Or we think we do. We think if we know why it happened to them, we can keep it, whatever it is, from happening to us. And the more we spend our time and our energy asking, what about them, we can hold things at a safe distance. True to form, Jesus does not let the people hold the hard questions at a safe distance least not for long he takes the what about them question and quickly flips the script to what about you as my colleague Dr. Heather Shortledge writes Jesus doesn't seem to be interested in floating down that river of comparisons with us Jesus wants our story warts and all and only our story Stop fretting, she says, over the pilgrims and Galileans and what they did to deserve such an ending. The end happens in every story. We don't know how many pages are left. Stick to reading your own story. God will take it from there. This flipped script is not a new thing for Jesus. Just last week, Martha huffed with exasperation at Jesus over what Mary was not doing. I imagine her finger pointing at her sister. And Jesus insisting on gently and firmly turning that finger back to Martha. He does the same thing here. He takes the what about thems. And turns them into what about you's? Over and over and over again. And he drills down on repentance, or as the common English Bible reads, changing hearts and lives. For Jesus, this repentance thing is not a once and done thing. The root of the word repent in Greek means turn And here Jesus uses a verb tense that can literally be translated, repent and keep on repenting, turn and keep on turning. As Heather writes, the way of Jesus, the way to Jesus is not a one-shot deal that saves us from falling. Rather, it's a lifestyle choice. I will keep on repenting today, tomorrow, and ever on into the future. In this life, the work of repentance never ends. Jesus makes sure the disciples hear this word a lot, she writes. Perhaps the more times it hits their ears, the better the chance of it sinking in. Maybe that's why we have to hear that word so often, too. Repentance can be overwhelming, especially if I do the hard work of examining and sitting with all the ways I fall short, all the ways I participate in the world's falling short of what God dreams for the world, the new creation God longs for. It's easy to get bogged down and feel defeated. No wonder I move so quickly to the what about thems. But they are behaving badly, Jesus. They are so mean, but they are getting away with everything. It is so much easier to point to them than it is to face what I see when I ask, what about me? When was the last time you were encouraged to daydream. When was the last time you allowed yourself to daydream, to let your mind wander? For me, daydreaming brings to mind laughable images of Ralphie in a Christmas story, when he imagines his teacher weeping with joy and giving him an A++++++ for his essay arguing why he needs a Red Ryder BB gun for Christmas. Ralphie has a vivid imagination, and that imagination almost always gets him into trouble. His career as a daydream believer is held up as nostalgic childhood silliness. It is sweet enough, but not the stuff of serious life in the world. But Professor David Lowe suggests that we need to spend a bit of time daydreaming as part of our repentance work. Yes, daydreaming, because God invites us to dream something beyond what we can presently see. Scripture is, of course, full of dreams, powerful dreams that paint a picture of what life could be if and when God has God's way. Jesus dabbles in a bit of daydreaming, too, imagining the kingdom of God with and for us out loud. He dreams of an enemy Samaritan stopping to help and save a stranger. He imagines a struggling fig tree and a protective mother hen. That fig tree is deemed a waste of space and resources by the vineyard owner. That is all the vineyard owner can see A gardener steps in and invites the vineyard owner to see something that must be imagined, must be dreamed. The gardener pleads for a bit more time so that he can tend to the struggling tree, give it nourishment and TLC so that it can be what God has imagined, so that it has one more chance to thrive and bear fruit. And Jesus imagines himself as a mother hen desperate to gather the wandering and vulnerable chicks under her wing to keep them safe from all that would do them harm. His is a daydream of a different kind of kingdom with an entirely different kingdom agenda. In Jesus, God dreams big things for the people. He dreams of a people who turn from all that would harm them and lead them astray. He dreams of their turning back to him, the only one, the only one who can actually save them and give them, give us life that is genuinely abundant and free. Friends, what does God dream for you? What does God dream for the world through you? What might God want for or from you? Where might God want you to turn? Can you imagine? Can you think of one thing, one relationship, one habit One grudge, just one thing that you could shift or change or let go of that might bring you closer to who God longs for you to be in and for the world. Is there some practice or habit you might take up that would produce more abundant life for you, for those around you? This odd and challenging year has left us worn down and worn out. We have found ourselves staring at the same screen and the same four walls many days and have divided from one another in ways we could not have imagined 12 months ago. There are many days when I, at least, feel a bit like the bedraggled fig tree that is not bearing the fruit I would like to. Other days, I feel like a frantic chick who does not know how to do much beyond scurry and fret. In my weariness and my scurrying, it helps me to pause, to pray, and to realize that God in Christ dreams far more for me than I have dared to imagine on my own. Far better than my preoccupation with pointing my finger at all that they are doing or not doing. Yes, Jesus condemns and confronts all that oppresses God's beloved children. And he expects, fully expects his church to do the same. But it's about getting our own house and our own hearts in order, perhaps first. Because no good news, no gospel is found in the what about thems. The good news comes in hearing that there is still time for the failing fig tree, still time for the frantic chick, still time for me and for us if we can only find a way to turn and keep turning back to the one who wants to nurture us, the only one who can save us. So maybe it's time to daydream a bit. To let my mind wander away from the dead end, what about thems? To the holy and hope-filled, what could be with me's? Maybe it's time to daydream. To let my heart trust and believe all that God dreams for me and for us. If Jesus can be a daydream believer, maybe it would be a good thing for me to try. And if I allow myself to daydream even just a bit, I might just begin to see a spot for me safe under his protective wings with yet another chance to be nourished and shaped into one who bears good and holy fruit for his sake and in his name. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.